This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Yehaya Suhib in Washington. And here's what's coming up on African News Tonight. We don't know how many countries will have cholera outbreaks before the end of the year. But the outbreak we are seeing in Malawi is so far the largest. Uh, and this is related to issues around probably climate change, but also cross-border movement. That was Dr. Ambrose Talusina, the WHO Regional Advisor for Health Security in Africa, on the cholera outbreak that have hit 12 African countries. Details coming up. Also, the U.S. holds its annual military training exercise to help end extremist violence in Africa's Sahel region. Tanzania's opposition welcomes the president's pledge to restore competitive politics. And Tunisia's new parliament will meet on Monday. These stories and more on African News Tonight. We start with our top story. The World Health Organization has called for Africa to step up the fight against cholera, which is in the last year killed more than 3,000 people in 12 African countries. More than half the victims died in Malawi's record outbreak. The Global Health Body and the Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention held a two-day emergency meeting in cholera this week in Malawi with ministers from 14 African countries. Lamek Masina reports from Blantyre, Malawi. The two-day meeting ended Friday with a call for countries to take a holistic approach in improving issues of water, sanitation and health among their populations. A closing statement say more commitment was needed on surveillance and prevention to eliminate the deadly cholera bacteria which is spread by the water. The participants also resolved that African countries need to start producing their own cholera vaccine. Dr. Ambrose Talisuna is the WHO Regional Advisor for Health and Security in Africa. He said it is worrisome that Africa continues to face cholera outbreaks despite commitments made in the past to eliminate the disease. They committed themselves in 2018 uh, a regional framework for Africa, but we are lagging behind. The milestones are lagging behind. And so we really want to revitalize cholera uh, prevention and control uh, sustainably in Africa. According to Talisuna, 12 African countries currently have cholera outbreaks, totaling some 130,000 cases with more than 51,000 cases in Malawi. This is just much. So we don't know how many countries will have cholera outbreaks before the end of the year. But the outbreak we are seeing in Malawi is so far the largest, uh, and this is related to issues around probably climate change, but also cross-border movement. Malawi has so far recorded more than half of the cholera fatalities in Africa, making it the worst outbreak the country has battled in decades. Malawian Vice President Saulos Chirima told the delegates Friday the country is now seeing a drop in cases largely because of an anti-cholera campaign the Malawi government launched last month. The country has also seen a drop in the fatality rate from 3.3% in August to 1.8% now, still above the WHO target rate of 1%. The Malawi Minister of Health, Kumbizek and Odochiponda, confirms that progress has been made. The numbers are significantly uh, going down. You remember about two weeks or three weeks ago, we're having about seven, uh, 700 or 800 cases on a daily basis. 
but as of now, we are about maybe 200, sometimes 300. Even the people who are dying from, uh, from cholera, the numbers have gone down. A threat campaign, Amaziko Matemba, told the VOA that the involvement of WHO and the Africa CDC in the cholera fight would help the country abolish some common diseases too. We hope that um, there will be more research and surveillance in, in Africa, uh, which will help and support the ending of some of these conditions, which are preventable in nature. But also it creates awareness to countries to put more resources on health, to make sure that uh, we end some of these uh, conditions, which are preventable in nature. Dr. Melawi Aragawi is the head of emergency preparedness and response unit at Africa Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. He said cholera outbreaks can be stopped in Africa if the governments take a well-coordinated, collective and multi-sector approach like Europe did 150 years ago, which helped that continent virtually eliminate the waterborne disease. Aragao said the approach would center around improving water and sanitation infrastructures across Africa. Lamik Masina for VOA News, Blanta, Malawi. The U.S. has launched its annual military training exercises to help end extremist violence in Africa's Sahel region. The Associated Press says the two-week U.S. operation, known as Flint Lock, is supporting 1,300 personnel from 29 countries who are training in Ghana and Ivory Coast. The Associated Press says for the first time, U.S. Special Forces operations include a site dedicated to maritime training, where military forces practice search and seizure and other tactics to stave off piracy in the Gulf of Guinea. The training comes as Islamic militants with Boko Haram this week killed 25 people in an attack on a fishing town in Nigeria's Borno region. However, most activity by Islamic extremists is taking place in Mali, Burkina Faso and Niger while spreading to Ghana and other coastal states. Tanzania's opposition has welcomed President Samia Suluhu Hassan's pledge to restore competitive politics and review the country's constitution. The long-standing demands from the opposition were ignored by her predecessor, the late John Magafuli. Charles Combe speaks to analysts and democracy supporters in this part from Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. The president made the remarks Wednesday at an opposition gathering celebrating International Women's Day, where she was invited as the guest of honor. Every journey of development begins with a step, and that progress will come gradually according to the laws and guidelines set for Tanzania, she says. Hassan asked that, I promise my fellow countrymen that reforms are here, and we will build a new nation, a nation of Tanzania with competitive politics and without violence. Since coming to power in 2021, following the sudden death of Magufuli, Hassan has been working on changing some of her predecessor's policies, including lifting the ban on political rallies. Magufuli's government passed various strict laws, such as the Media Service Act, to censor critics, opposition politicians, and journalists. The law resulted in the suspension of four newspapers and several online media platforms. It was under his rule that several opposition members were arrested and jailed 
for participating in political activities. Devota Minja is a member of the Women's Wing of the Opposition Party for Democracy and Progress, better known as Chadema. By the president's statement, we believe that we are going to have a democratic politics that gives citizens the right to choose the leader they want, Minja says, believing that the leader they choose will be announced by the Electoral Commission and will be the one that citizens can hold accountable, unlike the current situation. Tanzanian rights activists are optimistic about the future of democracy in the country. Kumbusha Dawson is the executive director of Reach Out Tanzania, a non-governmental organization that promotes civil and political rights. Dawson says, I see this as a big step, and it shows that the president is creating an opportunity for other political parties and competitive politics. This includes allowing political rallies. He adds that when it comes to the issue of a new constitution, it has been a long-standing demand. Her predecessor rejected it outright, saying he was prioritizing development. Political analyst Deus Kibamba, a lecturer at the Center for Foreign Relations in Tanzania, says the president's comment regarding the restoration of competitive politics and constitutional review are welcome. However, he wonders whether member of the ruling Chama Chama Pinduzi party will support these moves. Kibamba says there is a trend where candidates win elections without competition. A party that is used to swimming in such waters cannot please the president who desires genuine competition. Meanwhile, opposition politicians and rights activists hope a level political playing field is around the corner, but expressed concerns since it's the president's party that created the current environment. Charles Kombe, for VOA News, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. Cameroon's military says separatists in its northwest region have blocked roads and attacked military vehicles to disrupt Sunday's Senate elections. Witnesses say several bodies were seen around the destroyed vehicles. The military has not confirmed any casualties and vowed to protect voting despite the rebel blockade. Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Yaounde, Cameroon. No easy. Cameroonian government troops exchange fire with separatist fighters in Tadu, a village in the Central African state's northwest region. In the audio extracted from a video shared on social media, a man identifying himself as separatist General Viper says fighters will chase out or kill government troops deployed to protect voters in Cameroon's March 12 senatorial election. Cameroon's Senate, the upper house of parliament, has 100 seats. The election will be held for 70 seats. The other 30 will be appointed by President Paul Bia. The military confirms that the video was taken in Tadu on Thursday. The military says besides Tadu village, government troops have fought gun battles with separatist fighters in several dozen locations. 
The government says several military vehicles have been destroyed by improvised bombs planted by separatists in the northwest. Army captain and military spokesman Cyril Saj Atongfak Gemo refused to comment on the number of troops killed, but said about two dozen fighters have died in two weeks. Civilians say bodies were seen around destroyed military vehicles. Vanigansen Moshingel is an opposition Social Democratic Front or SDF candidate. He says battles between Cameroon government troops and separatists are making it impossible for Senate candidates to campaign. The prevailing situation in the region is not propitious for an election. The conflict exacerbated. The separatists are all over the place. It's even very difficult for the candidates to move to their various divisional headquarters. So we have that challenge. A statement from the Roman Catholic Church in Kumbu and Dup says transport buses and private vehicles are grounded and there has been no movement of people or goods in the past three days. The government says civilians who disrespect separatist orders and move out of their homes are being abducted and tortured. The SDF says candidates must send campaign messages through radio and TV, telephone calls and social media platforms. The SDF accuses Cameroon's government of ordering the military to protect only candidates with the ruling Cameroon People's Democratic Movement, which the government denies. Chofo said despite the separatist threat, Cameroon will prove to the world that it is a democratic state by organizing free fair and transparent senatorial elections. Separatists who have vowed to disrupt the elections in English-speaking Western regions launched their rebellion in 2017 after what they said was years of discrimination by the country's French-speaking majority. The conflict has killed more than 3,500 people and displaced more than half a million, according to the United Nations. Moki Edwin Kinzaka for VOA News, Yaoundé, Cameroon. You're listening to Africa News Tonight, live on The Voice of America. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Please note we have moved our programs from voanews.com to voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. The Men's Basketball Africa League, or BALL, tips off its third season tomorrow. The Voice of America is a broadcasting partner of the BALL. VOA will be broadcasting the BALL games on radio in five languages, English, French, Bambara, Portuguese and Kenya, Rwanda. To brief us more on the tournament, we have online the host of VOA's Sunny Side of Sports, the one and only Sunny Young. Welcome to Africa News Tonight, Sunny. Sporty greetings, Jehaeus. Always good to be back on Africa News Tonight. So, Sunny, talk to us about the teams in this season three of the ball, old and new. I like the way you describe that, Yeheus, old and new. In fact, if we look at this initial phase, the Sahara Conference in Dakar, Senegal, 
Uh, it features three teams that have played in the Basketball Africa League before, and it features three teams making their debut in this uh, men's club competition. Uh, the teams making their debut in the league uh, are ABC Fighters from Ivory Coast. They play the opening game on Saturday against AS Duanis. That's the uh, hometown team in Senegal. And the two other teams making their debut in this conference are Quara Falcons from Nigeria and Stad Malian of Mali. Now, that Malian team, Yeheas, has a really tough opening game on Sunday. They have to go up against the defending BAL champion, U.S. Monastir of Tunisia. Uh, the Tunisians kind of kept the North African streak alive. Uh, the first two seasons of this Basketball Africa League, uh, the cream of the crop ha have come from North Africa. Zamalek won the inaugural Basketball Africa League trophy, and Monastir won it last year in Kigali, Rwanda. So now the question becomes whether uh, perhaps a team from uh, West Africa or even East Africa can, can dethrone uh, the North Africans. Uh, another team that I'm really interested to watch, Yeheus, is City Oilers from uh, Uganda. They won't begin play until next month in Cairo. Uh, they're another debut team. And so we're going to, it should be interesting to see how these old and new teams fare mm -hmm. in the Basketball Africa League. So you mentioned Duanes. Do you think the fans of Dakar will come out to support the season? And how will the fun, fan support help the Senegalese side of AS Duanes? Yeah, hey, I, I, I believe you really can never underestimate uh, having home court advantage uh, at any basketball competition. So I, I think Duanes will feed off the crowd uh, in Dakar. One, one problem, kind of a problem they had last year during this phase in Dakar uh, was the scheduling. Uh, some of the games were taking place right at rush hour in, in Dakar, and it was difficult for some of the fans to get to the arena. And I think, I think the Basketball Africa League has made some adjustments, so I'm hoping we're going to see more fans at the Dakar Arena. And, yes, I think they can uh, kind of like in, in, in football or soccer, we talk about the 12th man on the pitch. Uh, well, maybe Duanis will have that sixth man on the basketball court. So we'll be looking forward to hearing your report starting tomorrow when everything tips off for the third season. Thank you, Sonny. Thank you, Yehaeus. VOA Africa is your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment, and music. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. We love to hear your voice. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message. Leave comments, requests, or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code plus one. Then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa is always happy to hear your voice. The number again is 
the international code plus one, then two zero two two five eight three zero seven six. And with that, we wrap up this edition of African News tonight. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Mokbilia Barrow, and our engineer, Nashwan Kali, thanks for choosing The Voice of America. Reflecting the views of the United States government. The United States, in coordination with the United Kingdom, sanctioned a group of seven cybercriminals who have launched a number of ransomware attacks on critical infrastructure in both countries. The U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Asset Control designated these individuals pursuant to Executive Order 13,694, as amended by Executive Order 13,757, for their involvement in the Russia-based cybercrime group TrickBot and activities that pose a significant threat to the national security, foreign policy, or economic health or financial stability of the United States. TrickBot, first identified in 2016, originally evolved from a Trojan virus called Dire, which targeted online banking of non-Russian entities. Dire was operated by individuals based in Moscow, Russia. TrickBot later evolved again into a malware suite with the ability to conduct a variety of illegal cyber activities, including ransomware attacks. It is used by the Russian-based cybercrime gang TrickBot. Vitaly Kovalev, known online as Bentley or Ben, was a senior figure within the TrickBot group. Maxim Mikhailov, or Baguette, has been involved in development activity for the TrickBot group. Valentin Karyagin, known as Globus, has been involved in the development of ransomware and other malware projects. Mikhail Istritsky's online alias is Tropa. He has worked on money laundering and fraud projects for the TrickBot group. Dmitry Pleshevsky, who worked on injecting malicious code into websites to steal victims' credentials, is known as Iseldor. Ivan Vakromyev, or Mushroom, has worked for the TrickBot group as a manager. Valery Sedlyetsky, known as Strix, was an administrator for the TrickBot group and also managed servers. Russia is a safe haven for cybercriminals, where groups such as TrickBot freely perpetrate malicious cyber activities against the United States, the United Kingdom, and our allies and partners. These activities have targeted critical infrastructure, including hospitals and medical facilities, said Secretary of State Antony Blinken in a written statement. He stressed that the United States and the United Kingdom are leaders in the global fight against cybercrime. And are committed to using all available authorities to defend against cyber threats.
This action, the first under the UK's new cyber sanctions authority, demonstrates our continued commitment to collaborating with partners and allies to address Russia-based cybercrime and to countering ransomware attacks and their perpetrators, said Secretary Blinken. As Russia's illegal war against Ukraine continues, cooperation with our allies and partners is more critical than ever to protect our national security. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. 